You're listening to the Pandemic Podcast, where we equip you to live the most real life possible in the face of today's crises. My name is Matt Botker, and I'm joined with my two buddies, Dr. Stephen Kissler, an epidemiologist. Yes, I spent all weekend trying to figure out how to say that at Harvard School of Public Medicine. <laughs> well done. You Thank did you. great. Thank you, man. I sort of literally spent, like, I got I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail this. It's not my normal vocabulary. And then, of course, what you just heard in the background, Dr. Mark Kissler, who's a doctor at the University of Colorado Hospital. Hey, guys, good to see you again. Hey, great to see you guys. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, in the news. So, last time we met was Thursday. It's like four days ago. And uh, I remember Stephen saying, there's about 100 cases in the U.S. And now, four days later, that's gone from, I think, 100 now to over 550. Who knows, in the last couple of minutes. And in the midst of that huge change between 100 and 550, there's now this kind of percolating, I say it's more than percolating at the moment, uh, of, of, a, of a, a transition from containment to mitigation. So, uh, help me out, guys. Where, where does, what does this mean? And uh, what's the difference between the two? And what does this mean for us right now? Uh, yeah, so I can jump in on that one first. So um, first of all, the the rise in the number of cases, as we talked about to, for a little bit last time, is uh, somewhat reflective of the new incidence of disease and somewhat reflective of an increase in the number of tests that are being run as well. Um, so that said, I think we can be pretty confident that the outbreak is um, does seem to be growing in quite a few places in the U.S. And that, has, as you said, prompted this shift in vocabulary from uh, from containment to mitigation. So um, early on in an outbreak, it's uh, it often is possible to uh, to prevent an outbreak from spreading geographically from one region to another. We we think about it um, sort of in the same terms we think about like burning wildfires, where there are hot spots, where there are places where the you know the the fire is burning hot. The outbreak is going straight. Strong. And um, if we can keep it contained to those places, then you have a chance of, you know, protecting a lot of the other regions that have sort of been untouched. Um, but at this point, the best evidence suggests that there's, you know, some at least low level of contagion circulating in a lot of different places. And so now really the, the emphasis has shifted from um, preventing infection from coming in the first place to trying to figure out what we can do in the face of the reality that, um, you know, we're going to see some cases just about everywhere across the U.S. And so what can we do to sort of start taking practical measures to, you know, think about reducing infections? Um, and I'll oh, Sorry, Stephen. Hopefully we might have to repeat that last line uh, because we got a little uh, short there on the on my end. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, basically just that the the shift from uh, mitigation to containment is, uh, as we're shifting into a strategy of mitigation, really the key thing there is recognizing that there are likely going to be some cases just about everywhere across the U.S. Um, and now the key thing is going to be uh, just figuring out, you know, what, what the best ways are to keep ourselves sort of healthy and, you know, prevent infections to the extent that we're able. And uh, yeah, just keep ourselves healthy in the broadest sense of the word. And, and Mark, it's, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, he has to do rounds in like literally two minutes. So uh, he, I want to give him a, a couple a couple minutes to talk. Right. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out how to get this all timely. So Mark, any any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think exactly what, you know, Stephen was saying. And I, I think there's there has been a little bit of a shift when we think about what's going on in terms of there's epidemiologic data, and then there's also sort of clinically relevant data. Mm. And so um, knowing that, you know, the big, big emphasis is going to be on, you know, treatment, supportive care uh, for those folks who may be potentially exposed mm. um, or have symptoms that are similar to, you know, a potential COVID infection, while keeping in mind that there's lots of other respiratory viruses around that cause, you know, the same, same thing. And so, you know, we, we are also trying to be really, uh, you know, proactive about preventing 
spread of the flu and influenza, you know, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, other types of respiratory viruses. A lot of the same mitigation practices that we practice for those other things um, are relevant in this sort of an outbreak setting as well. Um, and so I think that, you know, just kind of staying grounded in the sense of like uh, just very, very basic stuff like washing hands, like we talked about last time, yeah. um, is one of the biggest things that we can all do to help protect folks in our community. And I'm glad you said that, right? Because I, I see all this news about how, like, hey, don't forget about the flu and this. this and I feel like it's a little bit of propaganda. I, I, I guess, okay, because what I'm thinking about is like, it's like the Pareto principle of like, you know, this idea of 80 20. Like, oftentimes, 80% of our rewards come from 20% of our effort. And so I'm thinking, like, well, um, yeah, you're right. And am I dumb? I'm thinking this of like, uh, the things that we're doing for the coronavirus also applies to the flu, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's, it's an opportunity to be aware just of general good practices yeah. around these sorts of things. And also, you know, general good practices, which I think also include being, you know, being relatively grounded and, um, and yeah. realistic, but not necessarily panicking, you know, yeah. about, um, <laughs> there's, there's something about the novelty, you know, of, of something new that becomes, that makes it more scary just because it's new and unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, absolutely there's, you know, significant, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the news, a lot of stuff going on here and don't want to downplay any of that. But at the same time, I think that, you know, staying grounded uh, and doing those things that we already know how to do, yeah. very simple things, is one of the places we can focus a lot of our attentions. Yeah, I am reminded in seeing the Facebook post of somebody had a, had a picture in the saying, just a reminder that uh, I was hand washing before it became popular or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's, so <laughs> that's before, great. I'm like, that's totally that. true. This is a hand washing hipster. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Uh, so, okay. So then this helps out a little bit because we're talking about the flu. We're talking about uh, the coronavirus. Another distinction between the flu and the coronavirus is that there's a vaccine for the flu. And it seems like this year it's pretty, pretty good. Maybe uh, 45% to 55% effective. Uh, but now with this moving from uh, a state of uh, containment to mitigation, I'm guessing a big, a big thought is this idea of, well, what about vaccines? Like how, how, how long will it take? I, we hear mixed messages that it's around the corner or it could be a year and a half. And then also this idea of, uh, okay, well, in the meantime, is there an antiviral that can be used? So, Stephen, can you speak into uh, a little bit of what's going on there? Actually, if you don't oh. mind, I'll just, I just want to cut in real quick oh, great. about the antiviral question. Sweet. Uh, yes. So, you know, I was looking, um, currently there's no um, antiviral that's been proven in the COVID uh, cases. There have been some under investigation. There's been some very small N case studies um, that have been published. Um, but there are, as we know, antivirals that work against other viruses, including influenza, uh, oseltamivir being the you know big one that we talk about, especially with influenza. Um, so I think the official you know, statement right now, we don't we don't have something in terms of a dedicated treatment. The, the mainstay of treatment at this point is supportive um, supportive care, as we call it. Uh, so, kind of really aggressive measures to support good oxygen delivery mm -hmm. um, and deal with some of the other complications that can come up with a viral infection like this. Okay. Um, and you know, we'll see over time. You know, there are people working on it. If there's something dedicated in terms of treatment of actual cases that may come out, so uh, just some some input there. And then interested definitely in what uh, Stephen knows about the vaccine question. Great. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks, Mark. I so absolutely as with uh, many infectious disease, you know, public health events like this, the, one of the key questions um, here included is, is is when will we have a vaccine? 
I can say for sure that there are, you know, there are groups, you know, companies, academic departments across the world who are really working hard to develop these sorts of vaccines. It's as far as like when a vaccine will come around, it's it's really hard to make those sorts of projections. And we can we can think about past experience to a certain extent. So, for example, in 2009, when we had the H1N1 flu pandemic, we saw basically a lot of transmission happening sort of in the spring and then in the fall. And a vaccine didn't really become available until October, November, after the first cases were detected, I think, in about February. Mm. So... It took about, I mean, uh, let's say around nine months uh, to get a vaccine for that. The trick is that we already had flu vaccines. So really the, the key thing for developing a pandemic flu vaccine was to sort of update those. And we already had a good sense of, of what one needs to do to vaccinate against the flu. I think one of the big challenges right now is that, that we don't have coronavirus vaccines at the moment. Mm-hmm. So um, we're a little bit further behind in that development process. But nevertheless, I mean, as you can imagine, people are working on it really hard. So I think that uh, that that is in many ways sort of priority number one, developing that vaccine. And then in the meantime, the most important thing is to to really sort of try to distribute the infections over time and to prevent these really high early peaks of infection so that we have more time to develop a vaccine. Really, the, the name of the game right now is buying ourselves time, it seems. And so I, I, I have hope that a vaccine will be developed in, in due time. Great. It'll just be a matter of time to see, see when that comes around. So, Okay, awesome. And so... Going back a little bit, because I wanted to rush a little forward just because uh, Mark was on his way out to do rounds, uh, that we mentioned again, going from containment to mitigation, and I know Mark's spoken to this a little bit, but on a more broader scale, what does that mean to move from containment to... Now, I get it that it's a descriptive... Mm -hmm. I see it as a descriptive statement, but is there there a different prescription that's being done um, on a national scale, like say by the CDC... Um, when you go to that, or is it just like we're just telling you, or is there new a new prescription for us, or is it just a, is it is it is it more descriptive? So I think that the sort of the description here precedes the prescription, and so I think that uh, what is happening now is is with this change in vocabulary, we're going to start seeing changes in the prescriptive side of things okay. very soon. Okay. So for example, we've already started to see some school closures. I know that Stanford and Columbia have both canceled classes, okay. um, as well as a number of high schools where they had you know, presumed positive cases amongst parents of students there. Okay. So I imagine that we'll start seeing more of those sorts of things. And those are much more sort of mitigation type efforts than okay. containment type efforts. Okay. I imagine that uh, and there was just recently this suggestion that uh, that older individuals avoid travel. It's hard to say whether that falls more under containment or mitigation, but I think at this point, given that it's targeted at a specific age group, that's that's also aimed towards the mitigation of infection and preventing infection in the most uh, sort of the people who are at most risk of severe illness. So I think that over the coming days, we'll probably see a lot more of these sorts of um, statements sort of suggesting very specific behaviors and actions that we might be able to take as individuals um, to, you know, both prevent our own risk of infection, but really crucially prevent infection within our communities. Okay, great. And, you know, I kind of see, kind of getting, again, moving this into a grounded perspective, uh, I've seen more and more 
you know, it used to be this kind of broad spectrum, oh, fueling of panic. Uh, it seems to be now a little more focused, whether that's some like an initiative of the CDC and the, and the WHO of really kind of really saying, okay, this, our largest, our largest concern by far, right, is, is the elderly and those who have, uh, you know, existing conditions that are, you know, especially upper respiratory existing conditions. So, you know, I think right. the CDC just mentioned a couple of days ago about maybe having a focus on uh, trying to make sure that uh, those who, especially those who are 80 above that may be recommended they don't quite travel out their house too much and start thinking right. about staying in uh what do you what are you thinking about uh, that that perspective of it seems to be clear that this is a largely an elderly issue for the most part and those who have pre-existing conditions yeah i think that's accurate i think you're right that by far those are the people who have um you know uh, the most, you know, the most reason to, uh, to really, you know, maybe start thinking about how, how they can prevent their own risk of infection. Um, I think what that brings along with it is a real sense of responsibility among the rest of us who have a little bit, uh, you know, who, who don't fall into some of these high risk mm-hmm. categories as much to think about how we can care for these people and how we can make that sort of lifestyle sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then of course, the other thing is that, uh, since, you know, infectious diseases are transmitted from person to person. It's actually those of us who are generally healthy who are going to be doing most of the spreading of infection. So, one of the best ways that we can prevent, in, you know, those infections in the first place amongst the people in high risk is is to keep ourselves healthy, mm-hmm. and that will probably require us to also, you know, sort of be a little bit more mindful about large social gatherings and these sorts of things. You know, in the coming weeks, and similar to what you were saying about this Pareto principle, that mm-hmm. you know maybe restricting those top twenty percent of sort of high higher risk of infection behaviors. Of, you know, going to large concerts, these sorts of things mm-hmm. can have a really profound impact on reducing the spread of infection. And so for the sake of our communities and those people who maybe aren't able to do as much individually to protect themselves, we sort of need to take up that responsibility on their behalf to prevent transmission. And I like what you said, Stephen, and I want to kind of reiterate this before we kind of close. We're going to try to keep these around 15, 20 minute intervals, do these more regularly during the week, maybe one to two, three times a week. But, you know, for instance, I have a big event that I have planned this weekend that I have to lead mm-hmm. in the mountains at, at, at a huge retreat center, right? And I'm pretty right. sure I'm going to probably cancel this. I mean, not so much uh, because of the group, but th- we eat at a large cafeteria with like hundreds and hundreds and, you know, which anybody can just sneeze and that kind of stuff. And this is, right. and I say this not, and I'm not panicking at all. I'm just saying this is a great step for me to like to help contain, because I like what you were saying, Stephen, like we're just trying to buy time and not, we don't mean buy time like in the, in the, in the, like the bad sense of the word, like right. apocalyptic, but just like, oh, we're in, if we can do whatever we can, these small steps, like the 80-20 rule, the 20% that allows us to just prolong, which I didn't even think about, the peak, right? So that maybe right. the peak comes well after we have the vaccine. We did our job, right? We did our job. We, we, we slowed the peak. We have a vaccine. Uh, we, we, we got control of this. And now we have an opportunity to really pr- um, uh, help those on the margin who, if yep. they were going to get this, uh, they have a much higher um, uh, danger zone, right? Uh, to get it. So uh, for the, yeah, I see that. I see the coming months where I know, I, you know, people that are going to have summer, you know, uh, uh, camps and these kind of things that, uh, that, that I encourage businesses who have summer camps at least to have a discussion <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, just like, hey, what what would be the, you know the scenario for these kind of things? Just to help us to keep this peak from being as far away as humanly possible. Exactly. And then, and then uh, you know, we, before we got on the podcast, Mark and Steve and I were talking about this kind of idea of like, how do we stay grounded again? We want to end with that. And I was talking about yesterday. So we, li- uh, well, not we, 
Stephen clearly does not. Uh, but Mark and I live in Colorado. I don't know. What's the weather like there, by the way? Was it nice yesterday? You know, uh, it was pretty cold yesterday, but this morning sounds similar to the one you had, where it was just absolutely beautiful and blue. Yeah, yeah. So it was, and this may sound like this is not part of the, the podcast, but it is. Like I, I went outside and it was the first day that uh, on my weather app, I am like a, a weather app junkie. Like I, I love watching it. And then it was the first day that, that we could have a, a thunderstorm, right? Potentially in, yeah. the, in the winter. And this excited me in the idea that like, to, to keep new things in your life, to, to pursue newness. And we're talking about the nature of beauty and just going outside and the birds were chirping. They're actually out because springs upon us. I'm like, this is like, gets perspective. Uh, so, yes. and the more you're inside your house and worrying about things, it does nothing but just creates this uh, a panic and nothing more but exacerbates the potential of a pandemic. And even think of this, but to stay grounded um, to, I, I, one thing I do and I wish I could do more often is I have a space, I have an app called Headspace. It's so awesome. And it's a, it's just easy. It's a, it's a way to be able to train your brain brain to be able to uh, look at your thoughts as a bystander uh, going going through. And this is what a best practice, this is a great gift and opportunity for us to be given. Like, look, it's so easy. There's no way you're going to like go out to your work and not hear about this. So best thing you can do, and, and in the long run, it's going to make you profoundly a better person, is to teach yourself how to be able to allow those thoughts to come in and not to have them be a part of you, right? To be able to look at them as a bystander and make good, healthy judgments of like, this is not real. This is really not real. I mean, the large majority of us are not going to be affected, affected by this at all. So that's not our concern. Our biggest our biggest thing we want to do is care for those, right? And, and uh, in a way that prevents them from getting sick. So you don't even have to ha- even deal with the, the danger of it. And as again, Stephen said, the best way is to do the small things, washing your hands, maybe think about not going to that huge concert, right? Uh, not necessary, yep. just for a few months, right? Just for a few months, just so that we get some right. control, get the vaccine, the vaccine done, and we can move on with our lives and uh, feel good about it, feel good about it as well. Instead of having a bunker with tons of rations in it and in self-preservation mode and feeling a little icky about it as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. And there's there's a certain beauty, I think, in that in that sort of, you know, sacrificing some of these things, but really knowing that it's for the for the greater good. Great. Well, I think we're in on this note. Uh, so we're going to, again, try to do this regularly, uh, at least two times a week. Uh, I'm aiming for maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if possible. But I have two very busy doctors on my hands, so it depends <laughs> if, I can, if I can bring them back in. So, but again, if you have any questions, we're still trying to roll these things out. It's still not on Apple Podcasts, uh, but hopefully it'll be uh, uh, confirmed soon. So in the meantime, until we can get all our I's dotted and our T's crossed, if you have a question or concern, uh, you can always hashtag Pandemic Podcast on Twitter. We'll be looking for that. Uh, uh, Steven's handle for his Twitter handle is uh, at Steven Kistler, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-S-S-E-L. Oops, sorry. Totally butchered that. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-S-S-L-E-R. If you want to ask him any questions, he was happy to be able to give that out. Um, yep. And uh, that's about it. So uh, look forward to us. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. We want to keep this going on as long as be possible to help provide a grounded perspective to people so they can live in the most real life possible in the face of these crises today. So we'll see you in a couple days. Take care. Bye.